Today's podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Hop on over to paypal.com, look up joelbnew at gmail.com, make a contribution of $15 or more, and you'll receive the digital album version of Standalone, a song cycle. Any and all contributions go toward production costs and are supremely appreciated. Thank you. And if you love Broadway, you got to check out The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. Hosts Mo Brady and Nika Graf-Lanzaroni delve into what it's like to be in the ensemble of a Broadway musical with guests from Wicked, Newsies, The Book of Mormon, and more. Check out TheEnsemblist.com or search for Ensemblist on iTunes. Welcome, and thank you for joining Something New, a musical theater podcast, where I, Joel B. New, invite an exceedingly talented friend over to the beautiful True Voice Studios NYC at Columbus Circle. We chat a bit, and then we learn and record a song from one of my latest projects, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist is an actor, writer, casting director, producer, and web content creator. She attended Nazareth College, majoring in music theater and philosophy, while also interning and later assisting at Liz Lewis Casting Partners. After casting numerous commercials, independent films, national tours, and voiceovers, she founded SMAO Entertainment in January of 2011 to produce art that people can laugh at or with or both after producing her web series, Caitlin Jones Saves the Day. She currently is a casting director for Liz Lewis Casting Partners in both New York and Los Angeles and has recently premiered her cooking show, In the Kitchen with Caitlin, on Manhattan Neighborhood Network and on YouTube. Obviously, I'm talking about Caitlin D. Jones. Caitlin D. Jones, thanks for being on my show. Thank you for having me, Mr. New. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, my God. Um, Usually, people's bios, like, I'll withdraw their names until the very end, but it's being you who like you utilizes your name so well in everything that you do it was <laughs> it was impossible <laughs> to there's no hiding a there's no be like, be like and ladies and gentlemen of course I'm talking about Steve Smith yeah Steve Smith my good friend Steve get in here Steve <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I think my parents planned that oh really not really no no, no they had no idea I was going to grow up and want to be famous one day what do your parents do my my mom, well, she's, like, on her fourth career. Like, every decade she's a new career. Now she's a nurse. Oh, wow. Yeah. She started out as a stockbroker, like, past the Series 7, all that. Then she was a stay-at-home mom. Then she um, was in medical finance. Like, she did the billing for St. Vincent's Hospital. They closed. So she went back to school and became a nurse. And now she's a nurse. That's yeah. amazing. I know. She's a pretty cool lady. My dad is a chef. Like a oh, okay. Catering specifically. Well, catering. that that all kind of so, speaks to you, right? Right. And vice versa. I know. I've I'm a, I'm a solid yeah. mixture of both parents. You're you're a, you're a mixed bowl. But I'm some. Well, anyway, Caitlin D. Jones, thank you for being here. It's such a pleasure. I I just met Caitlin D. Jones right now, and I'm already obsessed. And you guys are about to be too. Uh, first things first. Middle initials. I'm so glad that you use yours because I use mine. Oh, like, my, I, business. I know. So I'm very curious, like, when did you make that decision? Was it was it um, when you were strictly acting or did, like, the D kind of jump in at some other point or? The D, this is funny, actually. The D jumped in because of Facebook. Okay. It was um, Caitlin Jones. I don't know if you've ever, like, if you know this, but 
Jones is like probably one of the top five most popular names in Western Europe and the United States. Oh, no way. And Caitlin, if you were born between like 1980 and 1987 mm-hmm. or 1990-ish, is probably one of the most popular girls' names for, like, a solid 10 years. No kidding. Most specifically, my spelling. So now you put the two most popular names together, there was about 60 of them on Facebook. So when people tried to find me on Facebook, when Facebook, like, first came uh-huh. out, there, uh-huh. was, there wasn't even a million members of Facebook yet, and people yeah. were already having trouble finding me on Facebook. Oh, gosh. So... And they probably told you something about you in... in the arts as well. Totally. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, and this was even be- long before I was like, oh my God, if I ever tried to join a union, 10 people already have it. So, but that, so it was long before that. I was just like, oh my God, how are my friends from high school going to find me on Facebook? And all my friends from my music theater pre-college that I did, how are they going to find me? Because that was the reason I joined Facebook. All my friends from music theater pre-college at Carnegie Mellon. Oh, Okay joined Facebook and like I was like the the lone wolf music theater nerd who like ate lunch in the bathroom and had no friends in high school and then I go to music theater pre-college and everyone was the same exact kid at their high school. I love it. So we became obsessed with each other and all of my friends like I have like a solid group of friends that like whenever I see them it's like no time has passed. And we've known each other for over 10 years, like well over 10 years. I love that. It's amazing. Um, and most of them are here in the city now because, well, duh, we all wanted to do musical theater. Yeah. Well, well, so we're here. Well, 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 to my name, mm-hmm. and then um, we were talking about headshots and resumes in college um, in our music theater performance class at NAS. And I was actually I was one of three Caitlins in the musical theater program. Get out, get Not out. Not Caitlin Jones is, yeah. but Caitlin still. That's and I'm like, I need to. So the yeah. D, I was like, the D is staying. And they were like, you sure? I'm like, it's staying. I like the D. I thank you. I mean, yeah. I one time had an agent. She she's still my agent now, actually. No, so my agent one time when I first met her was like, mm-hmm. "But the D, middle <laughs> initials, really?" Like, and I'm like, "Well, there's like a million Caitlyn Joneses." And she was like, "Well, why don't we do D E E?" And I go to her. Oh. I go to her. It's pronounced exactly the same. <laughs> Caitlyn D Jones. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like I'm not yeah. gonna. I could do my whole middle name then, but that would be just, it's too long. Yeah. yeah. It's too long. May I ask what your middle name is? Of course. It's Dorothy. Dorothy. I like it. I like, I like it. like the Golden Girls. The Wizard and the of Wizard of Oz. Oz. <laughs> and my grandma. I just grandma. double outed myself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've just spent a good chunk of time talking about middle initials. Um, there's so much more I want to talk about. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, um, oh my gosh. You do so many things. It is... <laughs> Can we just talk about that for a second? I do, I do. You do a lot of things, and that's why you're my favorite. Oh, and um, so, but but like the the coolest dichotomy that I really want to sink our teeth into today is the fact that you are a musical theater performer and you're a casting director. You're you're doing both. Now I've noticed that a lot of, I mean, myself included, we all kind of start on the musical theater performer track mm-hmm. and then find our, you know, quote-unquote truer passion or deeper passion or whatever it is. And um, and you, you're you staying on on both trajectories. And I think, I, I first of all, I applaud you for that because I think that's incredibly brave. And um, 
people don't have enough hours in the day to do one thing these days. And so to be, like, going for both. And so what I did was I actually reached out to uh, a handful of, of, uh, of friends of mine and anonymously gathered a bunch of questions. <gasps> And they and, and so people want inquiring minds want to know. These are already Oh okay. These are questions. All okay. right. So <laughs> the first question is mine. Okay. <laughs> of course. So uh, they say necessity is the mother of invention. So when you decided to reinvent yourself as a casting director, did you find that there was something lacking out there in the world of casting? Um casting, it's really funny. I like I literally fell into it, to be honest. Um, when okay. I was in college, um, part of the program that I went to required that you had one, like, in the industry internship as part of your degree requirement. Great. A lot right. of them do. Yeah. But, um, so a lot of people did, like, summer stocks and whatever, and I had this guy at home who I really liked and didn't want to be away from all summer and going to Kansas and doing a summer stock. So I was like, what can I do at home? Which home is New York City? So think yeah. of this question. What can yes. I do at home that would be a musical theater-related internship? Hmm. This might be hard. Hmm. I know. So I was like, you know, out of all the things I was learning at school, the one thing I felt like I wasn't getting enough experience doing and enough information about was auditioning. And I knew just from, like, growing up here that the one thing you spend the most time doing as an actor is not being on Broadway, it's auditioning. Yeah. And I'm like, so if I want to do this for real, I better get really f***ing good. Can we curse on the show? I'll beep you. Okay. okay. Really, really good at auditioning. Like, as better than anyone else. So what can I do? And I was like, hmm, who knows about auditions? Casting directors know about auditions. That's their job. So I should go and spend lots of time with casting directors and find out how to audition really, really well. So I applied to literally, I got uh, a, oh my God, I was going to call it a Ross report, but it's not called that anymore. It's called just dating myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, people are going to start to know how old I am and do the math. No one does math on this show. Oh good. No one who listens to the show does math. I got, at the time, I got a Ross report and I sent. And what's a Ross report? It's what's nice. called call sheet right okay. now. Okay, great. So what happens is backstage had a little like booklet that was the size of TV guide that they would put out quarterly mm-hmm. in, to supplement backstage. And it's literally like uh, the phone book, but it's all casting directors and agents and um, any major um, regional theaters. Great. Like the address is to submit your headshots. Okay. Just for blind submissions. Wow. Yeah. They back in the day. Back in the day, when it before it was backstage online and all these fancy things, you had to do things on paper and send like actual copies oh, of God. your headshots yeah. to people. I'm shaking my head as if I'm younger than you, but <laughs> I, I am I, not. I, well, you know, I, yeah. I uh, we're not going to allude to age because we're actors. No, no, and we're ageless. ageless. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't age. Ageless and timeless. I'm like a fine wine. I just grow in body. That's not, what, well, not really. Not, no, no, we're not fat. No, no we're not fat. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing this. We're, we're totally losing. We're so, all right, all right, all right. Let's weird. come back. Let's come back. Yeah, let's bring it back. Bring it back to my good story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story. Thank so, interning. So, I was like, all right, I'm going to intern at a casting office, and I applied to all of them, and the only one 
that gave me an interview was Liz Lewis Casting. Stop it. And they hired me on the spot to be an intern. They were just so impressed by my enthusiasm because they were like, well, why do you want to do this? Don't you want to act? I go, well, yes, I want to act, but a big part of being an actor is auditioning, and I want to get really, really good at auditioning. And I figure if I get really good at this while I'm auditioning, I could do this instead of wait tables. And I just made that up on the spot to the girl. And she goes, that's really smart. I'm like... Yeah, that does sound really smart. <laughs> and that ended up being my life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> In That's, that moment. So I interned, amazing. and it was, like, the most amazing internship ever. Everyone would even, like, joke, and they would call me the prodigy. And they would give me a lot more to do, noticeably a lot more to do than the other interns, because I wanted to do it. Yeah. I was the dork who would ask to come in an extra day of the week. Um you know, for those mm-hmm. high, no-paying internships. Yes. But that's what they are in casting because it's like there's no way to go to school for it. There's no way to take a class in it. The only way you're prepared for an entry-level position in casting is if you intern somewhere, which is why, like, I think the unpaid internships, specifically for casting, need to be somehow preserved because that's the only way you get an education mm-hmm. to know how to do it. Because, like, honestly, before I even went to college for musical theater, I had no idea what a casting director was, never mind that I'd even be good at it. Yeah enough to like and like it enough to want to do it um so then after they were like they actually offered me an assistant job on the spot and i had to say no because i had to go finish college and they didn't realize liz at the time (laughs) didn't realize that i went to school so far away yeah i went to school rochester is like a seven hour drive and i was like i don't think i can make this work yeah so then when i graduated college i called them up and i was like do you guys have a job for me? And they were like, not really, but we'll call you. And they did. They would call me, and I'd freelance as the assistant whenever they, like, needed an extra set of hands. And then after two years of that, I had just wrapped Caitlin Jones Saves the Day. And I was, like, and I was driving. And they would just randomly call me and be like, um, Lynn Taylor, she's the she's one of the managers. And she, she would be the one who would make the call if I was going to be hired. So she was calling. She's like, so, Caitlin, what are you doing next week? And I was, like, thinking they just had, like, a few days gig. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I actually am pretty open. You know, I just wrapped this thing I was filming, so I'm, I'm open all next week. What day do you need me? And she was like, um, what day's good for you? I'm like, well, I had a thing Monday. This was my last day <laughs> filming. I was like, but Tuesday. She's like, okay, well, can you come in Tuesday then? I'm like, sure. How many days are you going to need me for this time? How about every day after that? No. And I go, oh. that's literally what she said. And I go, wait a minute, serious? And then she was like, we'll give you benefits. And then I go, and then all of a sudden I just stop and I'm like, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. But actually. You got me at benefits. I know. I know. I actually had another job that I had said yes to that was going to be a temp gig. Like, not a temp gig, but um, I was going to be casting, one of the casting people on Chopped. And that was only going to be for 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be like, stop and start, stop and start. But then she said I was going to have benefits. There you go. I know. And I was like, shut up. This is like, my mom's got, my mom was so excited. Of course she was. <laughs> She's like, you're going to have benefits? <laughs> like, meaning you can go to the doctor again? Oh, my God. I'm loving all these voices. You got it with You've my got family. To. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it loses something when you don't add her Staten Island accent. What do you bring to each side of the table? Like, what, what is... Uh, it's, a, it's a very big question, but yeah, what, what does um, so we'll just start simple. Where small? Where? How does being a performer enhance your ability to to cast something? 
being a performer is huge with being able to cast it because it the ambiguous it of whatever project I happen to be casting because I I get that brain cell you need to tap into and I get what it means to be vulnerable and I understand different people are directable different ways just mm-hmm. because I've been in their shoes and I know they're nervous and I know they shouldn't be nervous and it's easier said than done when for a lot of people who, yeah. you know, and it's really advantageous to be able to look at someone also as a performer and see whatever they're showcasing and know how much more they're capable of. Like, sometimes people feel, like, really, like, oh, my God, how can I show everything I'm good at in 16 bars? <laughs> but, honestly, seeing you do eight bars, I can pro- I can get so many ranges of colors of characters that one person can play just because I know that actors, well, that's their thing. They act. They don't always just do the one thing. Mm-hmm. So to have that faith and also being able to tap into what makes different creative people tick, I just feel like um, because I'm a performer, I can look at other performers, talk to them for a minute, and know exactly what to tell them to get them to do what I need them to do so that they can book the job if they just listen and get Mm. out of their own way. And that is your job, to get them to get the job. That is exactly my job. So by making I don't know why that just was like just exploded my brain. Right, but but that's my job. Like I look good if they look good and book the job because if they look so good that they can't imagine anyone else in the role, then my job is done. And when my job's done, my client's happy. You know, it's I don't want to see anyone do bad. I already have a job. It's not me on the line. It's you on the line. And I want to see you do well so that this guy's happy and brings me more jobs so that you can audition for me again. Because then everyone's working more. Circle of life. Right? So. <laughs> we don't have the rights. Oh, I didn't say <laughs> the real words. That's true. Mumbling. That's true. I was, I was totally, yeah. like, and that was I'm totally choosing. not even the right notes. No. No, not, not even a little bit. <laughs> Perfect, because I knew you didn't have the rights. <laughs> so smart. So right? smart. Right? I was thinking out. I was looking out for you. I was Thank looking you. Out. You're Thank welcome. You. <laughs> um... <laughs> The moment we have to worry about rights in the show is a really wonderful thing. <laughs> Elton's going to be like, listen, Joel. Joel, Elton. <laughs> Joel, it's Elton. That's your two voices the whole time. Joel, it's Elton. You have to, to cut that shit out of my show. Of your show. Um, so on the other side of the table. On the other side, on the other side of the table. So when you are a performer. Mm-hmm. How does your, and you've kind of already answered this, but how does being um, a casting director enhance your ability to audition for people? There was a certain point in my casting career where I stopped being nervous at auditions Hmm. because I am very well aware that it is not about me. My job is to show up and do the absolute best that I can with what I have with what I've prepared mm-hmm. or not prepared if it's like an improv audition or commercial they gave me two minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then just let it go because there is so many other factors on the other side of the table that have to align with the stars for me to get a job that there is no point in rattling your confidence about it. It's none. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are so many more valuable things you can invest your energy on 
And when you give yourself that freedom, the stuff that you end up falling into, like here, mm-hmm. is a lot more rewarding and freeing because, you know what, you might fuck up, you might make a mistake, you might, you know, miss a line, skip a beat, whatever. You know what, if you're connected to your material and you're just showing up as you, that's all you can do. Yeah. It's the be- you know, and I said this when I was teaching a class two actors the other night and someone came up to me and thanked me and said they wrote it down so I'll say it again because he thought it was a good one go for it it's like the most committed you're ever going to be to any character is being yourself so showing up in the room as yourself in that situation is always going to be the strongest choice you will ever make and having that information about the process gives you the safe place to go there and that's amazing to have as a performer that safety because it's scary being yeah. vulnerable that's why so many people get divorced nobody wants to be vulnerable with each other so how are you supposed to do it in front of like a bunch of people buying tickets and watch you do it right they can't even do it with their like spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever and they want you to do it for $65 a seat if you yeah. got it on TKTS yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, do, I can't do that in life, but you do it. You go up there and do it, but make it sing and make it pretty, and make it look easy. I'm gonna talk about type. Oh, oh no! That was an eye roll. That's and okay. Talk to me about it. Well, no, why, no, why t- the eye roll? Ask your question. Ask your question. Okay. Um, one of one of my listeners wrote, "What is type, and why is it so important?" Type is a big, fat, ugly lie, and it's not important. <laughs> Talk to me about that. This is, this is... It is a big, fat lie. Your type. What is that? That's like when you're dating and you're like, oh, he's not my type. What the hell does that mean? You're not going to talk to that person because they don't look a certain way? No. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. There are certain roles in the musical theater canon mm-hmm. that we all come to know and love. Yes. The You know, and they can be pigeonholed sometimes a little bit unfairly and robbed of their depth by putting them into categories or archetypes as they're called in the literary word Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then been affectionately slashed and bastardized and cut down to type in music theater world and people obsess so much over type that they forget the whole point of the whole thing is just that's just like a category you put it in when you're like putting together a songbook that you're going to sell as a collection for sopranos to work with their voice teacher with. Mm-hmm. It is not meant for you to walk into your audition with every single time because guess what? That's when things get rigid and they get stale and they get inauthentic because you're more obsessed with matching a perfect type than being a good actor. And it robs you of any creativity that you will have to bring and depth you could bring to that role. Because you're so obsessed with, like, well, I have to do it to the type because Grandma Moses is going to come in and watch me do Cinderella. And if I don't do it the stale old ingenue way, hmm. people will get upset. Where do you think types come from? Is it from the parts or from the actors? Like, if does that question make sense? Mm-hmm. Like the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, the dawn of time, really. Um, I, I think it be, it comes from people trying to simplify something that is actually really complex. And I think that's really unfair, especially because people give 
music theater, musical theater, like a really bum, fluffy rap that you're only like adding fuel to that fire by think by playing into it and thinking that you could dumb down a whole art form's large, large canon of material into X, Y, and Z types. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's voice types, and there. It, I, okay, it, if you want to get technical, it can start back from opera. Where certain voice types mm-hmm. were certain for, written for certain characters, right? You know, a basso buffo is like comedic. Yep. You know, there is mezzo sopranos, where it's usually travesti roles. Sopranos and coloraturas, you know, usually coloraturas could play evil thingies, but then you know, sopranos, lyric sopranos were typically the ingenue, the the, the damsel in distress. Right. So that's where that came from. If you want to get really down to the nitty gritty, but then when it comes, it started, and music theater borrowed so much from opera as an art form in yep. the early days, and even now, you know, there's like there's a lot of really contemporary pieces that lend itself back to opera with mostly singing and like you know, look at Les Mis, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's. That and I think trying to legitimize itself and like lend itself to the idea that it could be like opera, instead of just owning itself and being like, well, we're a little different because there's more complexities because we do a little bit more stuff. Not this, mm-hmm. not to discount opera because they're no, Jesus, they do a lot. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> they do a lot, but it's it's different because there could be you know a really funny character who's a tenor in a music theater piece. Mm-hmm. There could be in an opera, but. Probably not like a really classical opera. Yeah. Now, in the modern day, with all of this information and trying to be legit, and I used air quotes there. Yes, she did. Um, people obsess over that, and it gets so sad because then there are people who fall between the cracks and think that they're less of an artist because they don't fit like a perfect type. And Those are my favorite artists, usually. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, look at Idina Menzel. She's amazing. Yeah. And she's really funny because I was reading that article. Was it the Times when it was the Tonys? And, uh-huh. they were, and yeah, she the was like, she, yeah, yeah. And she was like, you just make friends with all the composers and they write things for you and you're not a type. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, you go, girl. That's right. Seriously. But, you know, <clears throat> breaking into it, you can't worry so much about that. You just have to worry about being your best artist and getting as good as you possibly can at what you do because you will never be perfect. No one will. Even Idina's not. Even Idina has a rough day. And, you know, it's not about chasing the perfection at the end of the rainbow. What it is about, though, it's about always knowing you don't ever want to be done. Because if you want to be done, then you, then you don't want to do it anymore. So yeah. why would you do that? So you always want to be create, creating and growing and going further and further in your artistry. And we're like, well, Caitlin, well, how am I going to go into my audition for Guys and Dolls with my artistry? Well, you're going to do what's appropriate for the show, but you're not going to limit yourself to a stagnant archetype. You're going to allow yourself to have depth in that character and enrich that performance because that's going to make it ir- you irreplaceable in that role. So type. <laughs> <laughs> I will forever associate that sound with that word. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> Spread the word. Type. <laughs> <laughs> Do actors respect you more or treat you differently because you also do this other thing? They definitely treat me differently when they find out. Obviously, mm-hmm. the people who don't do know. They kind of like stood me. up a little straighter, like, oh, hi, and now they want to schmooze with you? Mm, yeah, I feel like a lot of times when actors met me first as an actor, okay, here's there's two different kinds of people 
when it comes to actor friends that yeah. I've had. They either um, go into schmooze mode. Yep. You know, or they get really bitchy and bitter and, like, friendly to my face and talk about me behind my back because they think, like, I should be, like, making phone calls and getting them an agent and, like, getting oh, them their Lord. big break. I see. You know? Like, and then there's the third category of people who are cool and nice. The third category of right. people I who mean, are actually my friends. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but we're just talking, like, These are the only two types of people there are. No, no, no. <laughs> but then there are other people who are, like, friends with me as a human being. But yeah. people who are just seeing me for what I do... Um, <clears throat> There are the people who are jealous because they think I, like, have some, like, secret advantage over the system because I'm a casting director. Yeah, I got a lot of questions like that. I I work at one specific office, so that does not mean everything in the history of the world is going to be more accessible to me because I'm a casting director. Broadway doesn't just call you. Broadway hasn't called yet. (laughs) The last time I booked, uh, the last time I was in, on stage, like, theater-wise, was um, I was in a play festival, a short play festival, the weekend of Hurricane Sandy. All right. That was my last theater booking. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I go in for auditions um, like Like everyone else. else. If you cut me, I bleed like everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's no special privilege that goes along with it. I mean, if you want to call, like, knowing how the system works, a special privilege... You know, uh, then yeah, sure, privilege away. But I that that's almost like you know getting jealous of your accountant because he knows how to do the taxes. Right. 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 You know, like it's not a very sexy thing to get jealous about. No, no, not. <laughs> like, I know how the system works, and that's about where it ends. Like I yeah. can't, you know, push myself anymore. Like, well, what about getting agents? I'm like, well, agents are less of a god than I am. <laughs> so it's like, that's, is that like okay? Yes. Agents know me, and I've I've gotten a few agents who started sending me out because they met me through casting. But again, like an agent's only like you know knowing an agent is only as good if you book something, and you know darn right. Having a dry spell happens to all of us, even yes. people who happen to cast um, like during the week. Well, this came from a listener. How do you deal with the inevitable conflicts of interest? Um, Wanting to be in in a show yourself and things like that. Do you ever find... That's hard. It depends. Um, Like, we were working on the national tour of Hair, and I've wanted to be in Hair since... Oh, my God. <laughs> since since you since were born and had hair, since I've had hair, I usually almost this is as short as my hair gets, and it's like like down, you know, yeah, already, like yeah. significantly long. Usually, my hair is like I I'll cut it oh, like no. twice a year, and okay. it gets really long. I've long. I just love that show. I've always been a little bit of an exhibitionist, so the whole being naked in the first act, I was like, yes, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, put me out there. <laughs> Coach, send me in. Um, in any role, I literally would do anyone. I would be tribe mem- member number eighty-six, you know, or Chrissy, or Jeannie, or anything. You know what I mean? I'm a big character person when yeah. I'm an actor, so like that show just speaks to me in many millions of ways. Mm. So that was really difficult. Um, and, I mean, I was only an associate on it. It was Allison 
who was casting it. So she did let me sing for it, but I understood so much of the process and the politics that were already underway of that I really wasn't even in the running. You knew how far away you were. I did. You, yeah. I did. It was, it was, it was a lot. Even though shot. you're awesome and very talented and beautiful Thanks. and, oh, yeah, all those things. I'm just can saying. Can I put you in my pocket and you can yeah. come out anytime <laughs> I have a rough day? Yep. yep. So I knew, like, what they were going for and how many people had to be on board for this that just, it was, uh, it was hard to get the people we had in not because they weren't good and not be, it was just because there was so um you know there's so many yeses that need to be said it's even in a musical think about it just the staff that you know of like the director the choreographer the music director that's just who the actors really actually work with yeah. then there's producers then there was i mean this was um Diane's version yes. of hair. So she then was like consulting on it because what happens is like it's just like seven reincarnations of the show later and she's already on to Pippin. Right. So she has to like phone in and say if she likes it. You know what I mean? So there's so many things. Yeah. And yes, it have to be said in a process. And because I was privy to where they were at um, and how many people they had seen, I mean, they saw 1,200 people in the first week wow. of open calls. I was like, come on, this is like, let me go down to the bodega and buy me a scratch-off and see if it says Chrissy. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was really doing. Yeah. And because I was so well-informed about that, I, like, didn't get my hopes up. I just wanted to do it because I would hate myself if I didn't. Yeah. And I did. Um, and in a shocking turn of events, knowing what I knew about the project, I did not book it. Oh. It's okay, though. I still have a job. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other thing, too, where it's like, well, you know what? I sang that song really well, and I still have a job. So I guess I didn't really lose anything. So in that instance, you know, um, it's a little less heart-wrenching when it's commercials because they're so, like, in and out, quick and easy. Yeah. Um, that, you know, sometimes I'll just have someone put me on camera. And once in a while, I'll get a callback, but it's been a while since I've, you know, I think it's been, a, it's been about a year since I booked an on-camera thing um, that actually paid me. <laughs> there, are the, there, are some, there are other on-camera projects there are other, which, there, which we're going to talk about. There's a lot about. of other on-camera projects that yeah. happen, but the ones that, like, someone else is producing and that I get paid to be there for, it's been a little bit. What was the first thing you realized or changed about your audition practices after you started spending time behind the table? Mm, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Thank you, listener. Thank you, listener. Um, the first thing I changed after, um, well, the first thing, and it's not like a like a specific like how to. I just stopped being nervous. Like I stopped caring so much. Not like I don't care about my auditions. That's not what I mean. I mean like sometimes there's care enough to be prepared. But don't put so much significance on it that you lose sight of what you're there to do. I started, oh, oh, uh, another thing is I started to be a little bit more organized with my stuff. Not that I was ever, like, not organized, but I went from, like, just having all my songs in a book and, like, being like, oh, I'll sing that one, to now it's, like, categorized and color-coded. Love it. With an index on the front. Oh, that's my kind of audition book. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. I like it. I, yeah. I respect that. Thank you. So it's like, because, you know, they're there to help you out. So if you could help them out, you know, and everyone's helping each other, just imagine how much better those 
three minutes are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because the less time you have futzing at the piano, the more time you have for them to be like, so we have a little time. Can you sing something else? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I like this. Also things like, oh, going into um, EPAs um, or ECCs, do the suggested number of yeah, okay, because we're not allowed to say, because of equity, like, how many bars, but there's, like, an unspoken suggested amount. And if you stay within that suggested amount, there's more likely that people are going to ask you to sing something else and see what else you can do while they have you uh-huh. for those allotted three minutes than if you do as much of a song as you can and use up the whole three minutes. And that's just a little trick of the train, where it's like, don't, you know... Do the best 32 bars you can of that song because then if there is more time and they do see something for you in that show, now they have time to explore you. Like, Don't rob them that opportunity to work with you because it's not just about being good. It's about being good to work with. That's almost more important than being good because if you're kind of good but you're really easy to work with they can get you as good as they need you to be but if you're really good and they don't know what it's like to work with you now they're taking a shot in the dark i love casting and i love going and acting other people's things too don't get me wrong but there's something really it's that's like my children and it's like i it's it's kind of funny because as a kid i've like always envisioned myself as like of all the things I've always wanted to be, and this was uh, clearly there's always been a lot of them, I've always wanted to be like someone's mom, and I feel like, like seriously, like always want to be. It'll happen one day, but yeah. in the meantime, I feel like when I have an idea for a project that needs to be finished, I feel like the way I imagine people would feel like about having a baby, and like there's like the, you know, the gestational period. Of when it's like in pre-pro, and then it's like happening, and you're filming, and it's like they're learning to walk and like stand on the, and stand up and talk, and then it's like post, and it's out in the world, and it's like this adult, and like you formed it and you shaped it, and now it's like gonna go out and like be a contribution to something somewhere. You hope if you did a good enough job, and and it's just like that. That's like a rush that I can't. I can't really get anywhere else because it, like, starts when you have that nugget of an idea. Mm -hmm. That twinkle in your eye. Exactly. Where we all started. I love Uh, this metaphor uh, so much. uh, And and then, and and there you go. And then, you know, you just, all right, bye, Johnny. Make us proud. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to floss. (laughs) (laughs) And, And you just see it. And it's just so rewarding to, like, hear if people enjoy it or even if they hate it like I still like to hear it because I'm like good you watched it and I got a view for that yes (laughs) (laughs) you got a few from me thank thank you you are well thank you thank you so so in so so now you've got in the kitchen with Caitlin I do so so where can people watch in the kitchen with Caitlin in the kitchen with Caitlin if you're a Manhattan resident is on MNN4 um and I believe that is if you go to the website, you can find out exactly what it is. But I think it's like RCN. One, it's like there's RCN, Time Warner, and FiOS, and one's like 67, one's like 76, and one's 85. Then also, um, if you're not a Manhattan resident, you can go to mnn.org and live stream it Fridays at 7 p.m. 
And if you've missed it all together and you were silly and forgot to TiVo it, or you couldn't TiVo it because you were mad because you don't have cable, oh, okay. um, we also, as a kindness to all my friends who don't have cable, put it on YouTube after it airs. Uh, now comes the time where we set up the song, and um, yeah, so we're just going to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave set set. <laughs> I gave I gave Caitlin D. Jones a couple of options, and she opted to sing and beautifully. I can't imagine from my chamber musical RSVP, and um, this song will be included in my digital songbook, which is coming out in the fall. And remember, if you if you like Caitlin D. Jones's rendition of I can't imagine, which I can't imagine you won't. Uh, uh, It's available for free download on my SoundCloud page until the next episode. And if you'd like to request sheet music, you may write me at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free PDF. Uh, Be sure to follow me on all things social media. You may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. Make sure you visit inthekitchenwithcaitlin.com and lizlewis.com to see all the wonderful things that Caitlin D. Jones is up to. Uh, subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Tell your friends all about it. Um, next, uh, I think I have one more podcast episode, and then we're doing the 54 Below concert finale. <gasps> yeah! Ooh, it's going to be very fancy. I Buy your tickets now, right. everybody. Uh, go to 54below.com. It's Monday, August 25th at 11.30pm. Drink your coffee. And um, and stop on by. It's only fifteen bucks. Um, drink your venti. Drink your venti. You don't want you to. You don't want to sleep. Mm-hmm. You do not want to sleep during this thing. Mm-hmm. How could you though? Mm-hmm. Uh, special thanks today to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, who does my website. Red Scandal Graphics, Stephanie Layton, who does my who did my logo. Um, I was about to thank today's accompanist, but it was me. Um, special thanks to Colleen Spencer here at True Voice Studios. Last but not least, Caitlin D. Jones, thank you for being on my show today. Oh my god, thank you for having me! Uh, it was such a pleasure, and this now we're friends for life. But for life. For life. Like, the bracelets need to get bought. <laughs> From True Voice Studios, NYC at Columbus Circle, this is Joel B. New. And Caitlin D. Jones. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Don't need you to change.
Check her.